This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Human trafficking exists in every major city of the world. According to the United Nations and the International Labor Organization, more than 40 million people are currently being trafficked, and one in four of those victims are children. Trafficking can include sexual exploitation, which occurs in nearly 80% of trafficking cases, or forced labor, which happens in about 18% of cases. Victims can be any age and any gender, although it disproportionately affects women. It's hard to measure the magnitude of the problem, but it's almost certainly happening where you live. And it's a problem that shouldn't be ignored. Today's guest, though, came up with a creative way to make a difference. This is Sounds Good. I'm Brandon Harpy. Today's guest is Blythe Hill, the founder and CEO of Dressember, a nonprofit that raises funds to fight human trafficking. In 2009, she started a fun style challenge. It was simple. Wear a dress every day for a month. It turned out a lot of people in her life were interested in the challenge. So in 2013, she decided to align her challenge with a cause near and dear to her, and she created Dressember. What started as a one-person style challenge has now raised over $11 million toward the fight against trafficking. Through Dressember, anyone can raise funds, and it's a great conversation starter too. I mean, who wears a dress every day during one of the coldest months of the year? Advocates not only get an opportunity to educate others and raise money for a cause they believe in, but they also get to be a part of a global community of other passionate participants. I'm so excited for you to hear my conversation with Blythe. She shares the story of how Dress Ember came into existence. She'll tackle some common misconceptions about trafficking, including QAnon conspiracies that spread far and wide last year. And she'll lay out how we can get involved and make a real impact. Let's dive in. Blythe, I am a longtime fan of yours, as you know, and I'm so excited to get to talk with you today. You and I first started talking back in 2016, and a lot has changed since then. When we first spoke, your organization, Dressember, was celebrating raising a million dollars. And when we fast forward to 2021, it sounds like you've raised more than $12 $12 million. And so I, I like that's incredible. That's a huge jump. And so I want to start back in 2009, though, when you'd raised $0. And this was just an idea in your head. What was your concept of Dressember and how did it start? Yeah. Well, first off, the feeling is mutual, Brandon. I'm a major fan of you and everything you do as well. Um, but yeah, back in 2009, this this started as really just 
something I decided to do honestly out of boredom. I was like, I wonder if I could wear a dress every day for a month. And it was very like la-ti-da. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll try to do this just for fun, just for funsies. Um, and then did it and never planned to do it again. And then the next year, my friends wanted to do it. And the next year, their friends wanted to do it. And then it was like 2011 that I started thinking like, oh, I wonder, I wonder if there's more to this, you know, like there's... I am all for fashion and fun and beauty for beauty's sake. But I was thinking like, I, you know, I wonder if we could add a layer to this on a heart. And I had been interested in human trafficking and thought, okay, I wonder if we could turn this into a fundraising and awareness campaign for human trafficking. And then 2013 was the year I finally sort of got my act together and, and got up the courage to, to go out on a limb and try this. And, um, my like crazy huge goal was $25,000. And we, we ended up hitting that in three days and <laughs> raised $165,000. Wow. I was like, Oh, this is a very good idea. Like people really <laughs> like this, like, you know, this fun, easy, accessible way to, to engage in a really serious injustice. Um, so then I filed as a 501c3 and like you said, it's just been, it's been amazing since then this journey of growing our community and growing our impact. And yeah, since 2013, we have cumulatively raised close to $13 million now for anti-trafficking programs across the U S and across the world. That is unbelievable. And I love that it really did just start as something that was fun and interesting to you. Because I think that's how so many of the best ideas begin. This idea that, uh, oh, I like doing this thing, but what if I didn't just do it for my own enjoyment? What if I found a way to make a difference with this? What if I found a way to help people? And you applied it directly to a particular interest of yours, and then it spread like wildfire. Maybe you could give a little bit of context to like, okay, somebody signs up to be a part of December. What is the process like? What do they do during the month of December? And what is the outcome of that action over the course of that month? Yeah. So I always say that the hardest part of doing December is like committing to doing it. Like, <laughs> I mean, it takes two minutes to sign up. You go on our website, sign up, set a goal based on the impact you want to have. But the commitment to wearing a dress or a tie every day during the month of December is the hardest part. It's like, okay, do I care enough about this issue to, to get outside my comfort zone, to, to post pictures on social media? That's a hard thing for a lot of people too. It's, I mean, for me included, it's like, okay, selfie, <laughs> selfie month. <laughs> um, but, but it is so much bigger than, it's bigger than selfies. It's bigger than a dress or a tie. It's, um, it's about using these clothing items as an attention getting device as a as a tool to to raise awareness and and engage people in a really fun disarming way on an issue that is very heavy that not many people want to talk about um, so then December, we send all sorts of resources and statistics and survivor stories to our fundraisers who we call advocates to really make it easy and to give people a language around this issue to feel comfortable engaging others on. And then you get to be part of this huge global community of people who are doing it with you. And um, 
that's honestly the best part is I, I have met so many people and made so many friends who obviously are aligned in, in passion for this issue all across the world. And, um, it's really just reaffirming and, and really just pours back into the passion that we all have for this issue. Um, and then, you know, no one person is out here raising a million dollars. It's like this collective of people who are raising $200 or, or $500, you know, um, I think the average advocate raises around $300, which isn't a crazy amount, but then getting to be a part of that collective that's raising, I mean, as of now for our 2020 campaign over 2.5 million. It's just wow. incredible. Yeah. I love that. It it kind of takes the pressure off to know, Hey, I'm just going to show up and I'm going to, I'm going to be a part of this challenge and I'm going to share with my friends and you know, the people who want to donate money, they're going to donate money and I'm not responsible for raising two and a half million dollars. I'm part of this community of all these other people doing the same ridiculous thing. Can I, can I just say as a side note, like, I know that December and dress like dress in December, like it makes sense, but it is the worst month you could possibly pick to wear a dress. It is so cold. It is a challenging month. Uh, I feel like that's a challenge in and of itself that it's not the you know month of June. Totally. I lived in Southern California when I came up with Dressember. And I always say like, I never would have done this if I lived anywhere with actual weather. But at the <laughs> same time, I think that's part of the the beauty of it is we have, we have advocates in Canada and Chicago and New York and places with actual weather doing Dressember and making a huge impact because people notice like, why the heck are you wearing a dress in the snow or, you know, the, the blustery wind and, um, we definitely encourage people to wear pants under their dresses and not freeze um, or fleece lined leggings, et cetera. Um, but you can make a big impact when you're, when you're really like visually telling people like, I care more about this issue than I do about my own comfort. And yeah, I want to get atten- people's attention and I want to start conversations about this. And I, I do tell people like, Hey, fundraising is a big part of what we're doing, but it's not, that it doesn't end there. And it's also like, you know, don't feel like a failure if you don't raise as much money as you think you should, or any money. If you are having conversations about this issue and spreading awareness and sharing accurate information, that is huge. That is making a huge impact. And you never know how that's going to ripple outward. That's such a good reminder because it, it is human trafficking is not a thing that most people seek out a conversation about. And having this really inviting way to talk about this is so smart. I'm a huge fan of, of, for lack of a better word, like a bait and switch, you know, an idea of like, like, I think we do that with the good newspaper a lot where we have this beautiful print publication that like is gorgeously designed by our designers. And it's like so fun to open up. But on the inside, we give people homework. You know, we say, hey, if you want to make a difference, do X, Y, and Z things. Nobody would sign up for it if it was just you know, a list of homework, but because it's wrapped in beauty and it's filled with good news, you know, it's that gateway towards action. And I think that you've done something really remarkable by creating a unique gateway for a lot of people to invite people into that conversation. Mm, thank you. And yeah, I, I do see how good and Dressember have that in common is like, you have to lead with hope, you know, you have to lead with the good things that are happening and the things that are possible in order to draw people in. And, and so much of what Dressember is about is this idea of like, well, 
to, to be sustainable, to make a sustainable impact, it has to be fun and it has to be inspiring and hopeful. So I, I definitely agree and see that. So with the money that's raised this year, it was two and a half million dollars. Where does this money go and, and how does it make a difference against this issue of trafficking? In fact, maybe we should start with what is the problem of human trafficking? around the world and in the United States? Yeah, the problem of trafficking is ginormous. And it is this, um, unfortunately, hugely, it's so widespread and it's so um, amorphous around the globe that it is really tricky to track um, from a global level. So you hear statistics like 45 million people uh, globally are in some form of human trafficking. And um, that number keeps going up. <laughs> Um, because we rely on national data and, and countries are not always great at reporting, you know, or uh, there's a lot of underreporting in countries where it's actually a huge, a huge issue. But human trafficking takes two main forms, um, labor trafficking, forced labor, domestic servitude, that all kind of falls under the umbrella of labor trafficking. And um, sex trafficking, which is, um, you know, it can look like forced prostitution, I think, you know, that's pretty straightforward. It's sex without consent for the profit of another person. And it's a huge problem and it looks different in every part of the world, but it does exist in every part of the world. It exists here in the U.S. in every major city and around every sporting event and large gathering of people. And even though we haven't had a lot of events and gatherings of people in 2020, it's still, you know, traffickers have not taken a vacation. They have adapted to meet the demand primarily online and over social media. And and they found ways to continue making an insane profit off of exploiting people. And then what is Dressember's response to this? After you've mobilized this community of incredible people to raise funds, raise awareness, what comes next? What do you do with that $2.5 million uh, this year to combat this trafficking? So one of the amazing things about Dressember is because we don't have our own in-house boots on the ground programs, we can adapt to resource programs that are meeting specific needs unique to the environment that 2020 created during COVID. Um, so for the first time ever, we provided direct ca cash assistance to survivors in crisis. Um, they were immediately impacted by shelter-in-place orders back in March 2020. Um, around 80% of the survivors in the Dress wow. Network were immediately unemployed or working reduced hours because they were all working service industry jobs, retail jobs, restaurant jobs. Um, so we provided vital cash assistance that helped kind of close the gap for them, many of whom... Um, are parents of young children and just don't have the safety net that so many of us have. And so it, it, we were really able to step in at an important time. And our community stepped up to, to do off-season fundraising in response to the crisis that COVID created for survivors. And then additionally, so our network, we resource programs across the U.S. and across the world, like I said, and we focus on um, a really holistic 
way of dismantling this issue from every angle. So I'm increasingly interested in prevention work because that is ultimately, you know, that's repairing the proverbial bridge where people continue to fall into the river that is trafficking. Um, So we definitely we definitely still provide resources to survivors, like I explained, and, and, and resource aftercare and trauma therapy and vocational training. And we definitely also partner in intervention work and, and speeding up intervention time through training frontline workers uh, like hospitality industry employees or truck drivers, bus drivers, lift drivers, people who um, come in contact with trafficking victims more often than they realize. And um, when they're equipped with the the knowledge, the insight to identify these victims, they can safely partner with law enforcement for an intervention and speed up that intervention time and shorten the the cycle of, of trafficking for those individuals. And then back to prevention, like I said, we're increasingly interested in prevention work and a lot of it in the U.S. has to do with the overlap between foster care and trafficking. And so we pour resourcing into um, foster care advocacy, youth empowerment. Um, We also focus on at-risk youth populations like um, homeless youth, LGBTQ youth, runaways, these kids who are unfortunately considered throwaways. I hope we'll get to this, but one of the huge misconceptions about trafficking is um, this idea that like a a kid with a great family is um, in the wrong place, wrong time, and is kidnapped and never seen again and trafficked. And that does happen, but the majority of children trafficked in the U.S. are in the foster system or runaways or um, homeless or LGBTQ youth also homeless and they don't have anyone looking for them, and they are trafficked by someone they have grown to know and trust and rely on in some sense for emotional or or physical needs. There can be this sort of um, basic need trade for um, for sex or for labor. And so the the picture that we've created of trafficking as this white van pulling up and and snatching a, a child. Um, just isn't accurate for the way trafficking really looks in the U.S. That's so fascinating. And I I do love how nimble Dress Umber is. The fact that you can say, hey, this year we see this huge need. We're going to really focus on this and we're going to partner with organizations and partners who are really specialized in this area and we're going to provide support to them here right now. And next year, who knows what 2021 will look like. <laughs> and I love that you have the ability to adapt. And this year, I know that you've adapted in a lot of ways. You've had to pivot and shift a lot of the ways that you traditionally do things. Before we go to break, I want to ask you, how has your community met the moment in a, in a way that's unique to 2020? And also, like, what is most inspiring to you about Dressember right now and, and all of these amazing advocates in your community? I'm so glad you asked this question, Brandon, because I I didn't realize what a weight I had been carrying for months, <laughs> but for months I have just been anxiously wondering about 
this campaign season, you know, will people show up? Will people show up at a time when there's so much going on in an election year, in a pandemic, you know, take your pick. There's so many things happening right now. And I just wondered, like, do people still care about this issue? Even our, our core people who show up year after year, I was, I, I don't know, are they going to show up? And, um, then seeing everyone in action this past month in December and into January, National Human Trafficking Awareness Month, the answer was this resounding yes, that <laughs> our community shows up at the critical moment when, um, like I said, traffickers have not sheltered in place. They are not taking a, a hiatus from exploitation. And the need is more urgent than ever. And our community responded in a big way. And I am so grateful um, to each and every one of them. And also just to the collective community that, okay, we're in this together. We, we continue to care about this issue. And when things are hard, when things are crazy, that is not the time to sit out. That is the time you, you show up. And, and that's the reason we've exceeded our, pretty modest goals, honestly, for this season, but still just, I'm blown away um, to see the numbers just continue to climb. And because I know that our impact is, is expanding, is going to expand because of that. And there's still time for uh, listeners to donate to People's December campaigns. I just made a donation today because I saw a really inspiring story of, of uh, a December advocate pop up in my feed. And so just because December is over doesn't mean that the impact stops. And it's just exciting to think about the ways that y'all will continue to be able to grow and show up and make a difference even after the pandemic ends and we start to see a, a return to some degree of normalcy. Absolutely. Yeah. The The campaign officially stays open through January 31st for National Human Trafficking Awareness Month. So this is a, a fantastic time to to make an impact and, and support the campaign and, and start 2021 on a really good note, you know, that, okay, this is going to be a good year. I'm, we're going to be part of, of a good impact here. When we get back, Blythe will address the trafficking conspiracy theories that you may remember spread like wildfire last year. She'll share the dangers of misinformation and QAnon, and then how we can fight misinformation and make a positive impact in the realm of human trafficking. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Sounds Good is sponsored by Libro FM. Libro FM is the company that lets you support local bookstores every time you download an audiobook. Instead of getting audiobooks from the giant company that advertises on other podcasts, you can pay the same price, get access to more than 150,000 audiobooks, and support a local bookstore with every download. I've been a Libro FM subscriber for a long time now, and 
I absolutely love it. They have all my favorite audiobooks. Their app is fantastic and easy to use. And I love being able to choose which bookstore I want to support. As a special offer for Sounds Good listeners, Libro FM is offering two audiobooks for the price of one with your first month of membership with the code GOOD. There is no reason not to try it and get started listening to two incredible audiobooks you've been meaning to read. All you have to do is visit the website Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and use the promo code GOOD to get started with two audiobooks and to help support the show. Sounds Good is sponsored by BetterHelp. Whether you feel overwhelmed by the news, you're working through interpersonal relationships, unpacking trauma, or just need someone to talk to, BetterHelp is a fantastic solution for you. I can say that because it's been a fantastic solution for me. BetterHelp makes it so easy to get matched with your own licensed professional therapist. Plus, it's affordable and financial aid is available. All you have to do is answer a few questions and they'll get you matched with your perfect BetterHelp counselor and ready to start in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is offering a special offer for Sounds Good listeners. You can get 10% off your first month when you take your quiz to get started at betterhelp.com slash good. That's betterhelp.com slash good. One more time, that's betterhelp.com slash good. This year, we have seen this rise of the conspiracy theory around QAnon. And we've seen a lot of disinformation being spread about human trafficking. And unfortunately, this means that a lot of really well-meaning people are getting swept up into solving the wrong problems, or a lot of people are solving the right problems in very unhelpful ways. And so I was hoping you could help us clear up some of the misconceptions around trafficking because you are an expert in the subject and you spend a lot of time with experts who actually know what's going on the ground. So maybe we can start with what is kind of the QAnon belief that's getting spread, especially this year around human trafficking? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think, you know, there's the initial like children are being trafficked message Um, I think as you dig deeper, you discover there's a lot tied to theories of Hollywood pedophiles, um, politicians, um, the deep state cabal, um, then theories of murdering children and drinking their blood. Like it gets very bizarre and very dark and that's a very brief <laughs> description of, of <laughs> the like mentality and, and the theories being put out there. And initially when all this kind of became a little more mainstream back in yeah end of July, I was excited about it. I thought, oh, this is great. We are making the conversation around human trafficking um, mainstream. Like that's, that's awesome. Like let's get more people interested. And then exactly. And a lot of the conversation there really was just surface level of human trafficking is bad. We have to do everything we can to stop it until you look a little bit below the surface. Is that right? Yes. And no one's going to argue. I mean, I would hope no one's going to say like, oh, how can you, how can you be arguing 
like to save children, you know, like (laughs) there's no argument against that. Um, But like you said, if you dig a little deeper to the, the theories around how it's happening and what it looks like, that's where it gets a little dodgy and, and creates a lot of misinformation. I saw a lot of wild statistics um, being thrown out. Like I mentioned, some of the wild uh, theories around what it looks like and the dangers of that. I mean, from a logistics level, there was just this like influx of calls to the national human trafficking hotline around um, the Wayfair conspiracy and around um other (laughs) similar uh, sort of flashpoint issues. And the danger of that is when you clog a hotline that is under-resourced, honestly, and managed by, there's a small staff, but also a number of volunteers, you disrupt the the flow of of legitimate calls coming in from, from people who need help and they need it urgently. And so that's that's one issue logistically. And then when we're looking largely at like from an information level, like what sort of information we're putting out into the world and and sharing and perpetuating, um, that's dangerous because when you look at the fact that still in the US, the majority of victims do not self-identify as trafficking victims. They're much more likely to, to, self, to identify as domestic violence victims because they are, the majority of victims know their trafficker personally. So that's one, one myth that w- kind of continues to get circulated and, and QAnon kind of exploded upon is this idea that traffickers target victims they don't know, you know, and, and victims are um, kidnapped and forced into exploitation when the reality is so the majority, like I said, the majority of victims do know their trafficker. They have some sort of relationship with them. It might be romantic. They might have a child with their trafficker and they weren't kidnapped. They were coerced or manipulated in some other way. Maybe they were romanced, um, given gifts, given support until this sort of switch, uh, was flipped. And so when we, when we perpetuate a certain image of trafficking, victims live in the same society that we do. And so they kind of buy into that same perspective of like, oh, I'm not a trafficking victim. I wasn't, I wasn't kidnapped by a stranger and then, and then immediately put on the internet and locked in a basement. You know, a lot of victims are actually physically free to come and go, um, which I think still blows a lot of people's minds that like, well, if they're free to come and go, why don't they just leave? And even that question, why didn't you just leave, is incredibly shaming and triggering for a victim that like, oh, well, why didn't I just leave? Or like, if if I was really a, a victim of trafficking, yeah, I should have just left. So when we, again, when we perpetuate a certain false image of trafficking that, you know, I want to be clear that that situation still does happen. You know, there are uh, people who are kidnapped and locked in basements, but the majority of victims know their trafficker, their their chains are figurative, you know, their mental, emotional chains. So when we when we perpetuate the the minority uh, situation, then we keep victims from reaching out for you know from self identifying and reaching out for the support and the help that they might need to get out of their situation. 
and unfortunately, because this is being spread in, in a way where, of course, nobody's going to disagree with the idea of like, we should save children from being trafficked. Like, yes, we all agree with that. It has pulled in a lot of people who do not even know that it's a part of QAnon and just want to help. And I guess my question for you is, what are the most helpful things that are being done to end human trafficking? Like, what what are the things that actually help? And how is Dressember playing a role in those things? Since we're talking about information and accurate information, mm. accurate data, I think that is one of the most important things we can do as quote unquote normal people is, is look into the information that is being shared and certainly that we are resharing and have conversations about what is actually happening. Because unfortunately, what happens is we, even when we hear accurate information, we hear numbers, the, a description of trafficking as force, fraud, and coercion, exploitation against someone's will. I think the natural next step is, oh my gosh, what if this happened to my child? And so many people run with that passion and that um, like really beautiful place of compassion without then looking through a lens of equity at this conversation and at this issue. The fact that in the U.S., the majority of trafficking victims are people of color and are indigenous people and are homeless youth and um, formerly or current foster system youth. When we stop at like, oh, if this happened to my child and, and picturing that, that's when we get into the theories of, oh my gosh, these men following me around at Ikea are going to kidnap and traffic my children or um, following me in the grocery store parking lot or you know, protecting children from being groomed by a suggestive toy or, you know, fill in the blank. We picture how it could happen to our child who is in a well-protected, supportive environment, a loving home, you know, presumptively, all of these things. And we stop there instead of looking at, oh, what does this actually look like and who does this actually impact? And my hope is that if people knew and understood that, okay, this is happening to primarily youth of color, that their compassion would continue and extend and they would become fierce advocates for children who are not theirs and children who are unlike their own and lack the support and the resources that they do. Again, knowledge is power. And um, I think continuing the conversation to to really extend and have compassion for the quote unquote other is such an important part of, of this fight. I think that's so important and so helpful because I have no doubt that all of us are going to see something on the internet that really just is misinformation about an important topic. And we have the opportunity to better communicate the realities of trafficking, not to shame people or tell people that they're wrong, but to invite them into this opportunity to be empathetic and caring about, you know, an issue that that may not ever affect them. And like, what a privilege to get to use that to help other people. And so I think that's a great call to action. And I know that, you know, we are, uh, 11 months away from this, but I would be remiss if I didn't say, how can people who 
are excited about this idea, how can they start planning on being a part of Dressember uh, at the end of 2021? Yeah. Um, well, follow us on Instagram, sign up for our newsletter. And also we are, for the second year in a row, we are actually going to open our our campaign for year-round advocacy next month uh, in February so that you can at any point during the year, maybe around your birthday or um, around someone else's birthday, you know, you can come up with your own sort of like attention getting advocacy campaign whenever you want and, um, and then have it count towards your end of year Dressenberg campaign as well. Or you can just sign up and let your page sit there and then we'll remind you when it's time to do the style challenge in, in December. But those are a couple ways to kind of get involved and stay tuned. That's Blythe Hill, founder and CEO of Dressember. You can sign up to participate in Dressember, donate to the cause, or learn more at dressember.org. We also wrote a feature about Blythe and Dressember in our print newspaper, The Good Newspaper. She's featured in the Unconventional Activism Edition, which is available to purchase on our website, goodgoodgood.co. This podcast was created by Good Good Good. At Good Good Good, we help you feel more hopeful and do more good. You can find more good news and ways to make a difference in our weekly email newsletter, our beautiful print good newspaper, or online at goodgoodgood.co. This episode was created by Kaylee Thompson, Megan Burns, Chad Michael Snavely, and me, Brandon Harvey. Please do us a favor by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And when you find an episode that you absolutely love, make sure to share it on Instagram so we can repost you. And with that, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and start a conversation that makes a difference. And we'll be back next week with more good news and good action. Sound good?